coming from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will, be reward, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they, do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Um, it is again a big privilege to be here this morning and to come together to the Word of God. And before we get start, I want to pray and I, wa I want to ask uh, to the Lord that He will speak to all of us and that His Word will dwell in us and will produce fruit for His glory. So let's start with a word of prayer. Our Father, we ask this morning that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will remind us the words and the teachings of Jesus and that these words will be for our edification, for our encouragement, and for our peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, in, the new, in the new BBC series uh, of Sherlock Holmes, uh, one of my favorite um, episodes was when uh, Sherlock has to save uh, a little boy from his arch enemy, uh, Moriarty. The only thing that he need to, ident to do is identify a false painting and indicate the difference between the original and the false painting in less than 10 seconds, right? Uh, of course, as the hero of the show, Sherlock solved 
solves the dilemma even without having the original painting with him letting over the genius of the great Sherlock Holmes. So, have you ever asked yourself, how can someone recognize forgery in a painting? Well, you have two options. One, to be Sherlock Holmes, right? Or to be an art expert. And then an expert on that, ex on that specific artist. And then an expert of the artist's complete work. Now, what does... What does these have to do today with prayer? When it comes to prayer, when, he, when we are talking specifically to this prayer, we are talking about a piece of art as well. We cannot find anything similar to this prayer in any part of the Bible. This prayer is a unique piece of art located precisely in the center of the Sermon of the Mount. Yes, to be accurate, it is 116 paragraphs before and it is 114 paragraphs after. It is right in the center. Now, what makes it more impressive is the person who is teaching us how to pray. Jesus himself. The person who dedicated most of his life to prayer in complete communion with his father is the person, is the expert who is teaching us how to pray. He knows to the details, as Grace was telling us, the cookbook of a prayer. So, when we come to the Sermon of the Mount, we come to the pinnacle of prayer, the most important and unique teaching on prayer in the history of humanity. And as an expert of prayer, Jesus knew exactly how to pray because he knew perfectly how to pray. So, this morning we are going to divide uh, this passage in two parts how not to pray, and the other part is going to be in how to pray. Before we start, I would like to, to, to start right now with the introduction that Jesus gives uh, in verse 5. The first part that you find in verse 5 is, and then Jesus was telling his disciples, when you pray... When you pray. As you see, Jesus assumes 
that we all pray. So here, I want to start where Jesus saw no need to start because his audience was a religious people committed to, to prayer. As a nation, the Jews had a specific times to prayer every day, and the activities of the day stopped to allow time for prayer. But that was then, in Jesus' time. But there is a big difference between them and us, don't you think? For many of us, prayer is not a habit. It's not a habit. Not many of us have the passion of Daniel who pray three times a day. You remember in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Or the writer of Psalm 119 who pray seven times a day. Do you know that? Anna, who adored with fasting and prayer day and night in Luke chapter 2, verse 37. From Jesus, we know that he spent many nights in prayer. And for this reason, I would like to start by challenging you to consider your prayer life. I, I want to start challenging you to even consider start praying. And when I say pray, I mean to set aside time to talk to God. Not, not only to pray while you cook or while you drive, but to pray and to set aside time during your busy day to pray and to be with God. So now, with this introduction, when you pray, if you pray, we can begin with the first part, how not to pray. And this is a very practical way that Jesus is teaching us here what not to do, as I started at the beginning, I was saying Jesus is an expert. He knows what is not prayer. So that is why when he starts teaching us how to pray, he is telling us first how not to pray. And uh, in verse, if, we, if you notice in verses 5 to 8, you are going to find you, you are going to find three times when Jesus is telling his disciples, and when you pray, says, you must not be like the hypocrites. And again, continue reading, and when you pray, do not heap, heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And again, he says, do not be like them. So let's start seeing what is praying like the hypocrites. 
So when we read there verses 5 and 6, and you are going to find these verses in your screen, says, and when you pray, you, ma, you and when you pray, I'm sorry, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But, verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So first, we should not pray like the hypocrites. The sense of the word hypocrites in this passage or that Jesus is using here is that of a theater of or a movie start or actor. To pray as a hypocrite is to play act, or if you want to call it, to pray act, to be seen by others. Then here, the problem is not the desire to, the pro, then the problem here is the desire, I'm sorry, to be seen and admired after an excellent performance. That is what Jesus is pointing in this, in this uh, example here. The problem is not the posture of prayer or doing it with others, but to pray to receive praises from people. This is the reward of the hypocrites, as we read in the end of uh, five, verse 5. So, here, let me clarify something. Jesus does not oppose prayer, praying in public. As you remember and you see in the gospel, Jesus prayed many times in public. Solomon, in the Old Testament, if you remember, prayed in public King David pray in public. The, the Levites in the Old Testament and many others in the Bible, they prayed in public. So the problem here is not the posture and is not the location. It's not to pray in public. The idea of praying here in secret in this verse is about the sincerity when we pray not so much about the place where we play however when we learn to pray privately in secret our hearts learn to be sincere before god who rewards those who diligently seek him and that's what this verse is telling us the sincerity when we pray in secret become evident that when we pray in public, we are not anymore expecting to receive 
applauses or to receive approval or to receive praises from others, but you, are, you have learned to pray sincerely to God who sees everything and who sees you praying in the secret and praying with others in public. But that's the first part, not like the hypocrites. The second part is in verse 7 and 8 and says, and when you pray, if you read it there, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be here for their many words. And Jesus says again, Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Again, Jesus does not condemn all long prayers or repetitions here. For I mentioned earlier, he prays sometimes during the whole night, right? So he was praying long. And in the garden of Gethsemane, sometimes he was repeating the same prayer. Lord, if it's your will, please pass from me this cup up to three times. So he's not condemning this here. Rather, he is condemning vain repetitions where many words are saying as though we are trying to mediate between God and men, as though we are trying to convince God that we are doing a big effort in bringing a long time and many repetitions in our prayer. So that's why Jesus says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles. The Gentiles pray with many repetitions. If you remember in the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 34, we find a, a very precisely illustration. Paul was preaching, and somehow the people of Ephesus got together and were Posing Paul when he was preaching, and this is what they were saying for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Can you imagine repeating the same time in the temple for two hours? Just this phrase. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So, what Jesus is saying here is, don't pray without thinking. Don't pray without meditating in your heart your words that you are presenting before God. Don't do mechanical praying, prayers, thinking that praying a lot, you will obtain more. That is the sense that God is, Jesus is telling us right here. As some of you know, I grew up uh, in Guatemala in the Catholic Church, and I studied in a Catholic school, right? So, at the school, we used to have hours for confession. 
and we all were forced to go there to confess uh, with uh, the priest there. So, usually, after confessing to the priest, he sent me to prayer five times the Lord's prayers, right? So there I was. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos, santificado, venga tu nombre, venga tu reino, hágase tu voluntad en el cielo como en la tierra, danos el pan nuestro de cada día y perdona nuestras ofensas como nosotros perdonamos a los que nos ofenden. Y no nos dejes caer en la tentación, mas líbranos del mal, porque tuyo es el reino, el poder y la gloria por los siglos de los siglos. Amén. One, Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos. And then, five times, like that. You know, so... I was there praying as fast as I could to go then and continue praying with my friends at the school. Those were meaningless prayers. Letting my tongue run without thinking about what my words meant. And that is what happened when we pray like this. What happened is that usually we don't know God and we don't have a relationship with God. And that's what Jesus was telling them. Don't pray like the Gentiles. They don't know even sometimes what they are saying, why they are saying the things that they are saying, to whom they are praying. They just repeat and repeat and repeat, but nonsense sometimes comes out of their mouth and they don't understand what they are saying. Repetitions. Jesus teaches us that when you know God, He does not need long prayers and meaningless repetitions. And that's why, if you notice, at the end of verse 8, Jesus says, For your Father in heaven, says, knows, knows what you need before you ask Him. You don't need, you know, Repeat him many times to make sure that he understands what you are praying. God is not a mortal man who needs to be informed and then solicited. Our God can discern as is thought in Romans 8, 26, groanings too deep from, for words. He understands groanings to deeps for words. Sometimes you and I, we will have no words to say things, but you don't need to be worried sometimes what to say because if you know God, you know that He already knows what you are experiencing them in that right moment. So don't be like the Gentiles who don't know God. If you know God, you can come with your words, with simplicity of words, with your vocabulary, 
or without words to be with him because you want to know that you are there for him. Amen. So that is the first part. How not to pray. And now we are going to, to see the second part. How to pray. And if you go um, to the second part of this art of prayer, Jesus divides this part into the first part focuses on God, our Father. And the second part focuses on us and our needs. So this morning, we will cover the first part this Sunday, verses 9 and 10. And I decided that I will do next Sunday the second part because there are so much things here, so beautiful that I cannot say everything in the time that I have been given. Yeah. So let's see the first part here, how to pray. And let's move to verse 10 and says in verse 10, our Father, our Father, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first thing Jesus emphasizes in this part is that we have a Father in common. We are the children of God, and Jesus is our brother. Now, we must be cautious here with taking this lightly or, think, or taking this for granted. We need to be very careful because the following part in this prayer makes a clear distinction. Jesus adds, our Father in, our Father in heaven. God is a heavenly Father. He is different. He is different from everything, including the earthly fathers. He is so different from everything we know here on earth. So when we approach him in prayer, we must do it, do it with much reverence. That is the distinction that Jesus is giving us here. Our Father is our Father in heaven. He dwells and He is someone who is different from us. And we need to be very careful when we come. Yes, we are part of the family of God thanks to Jesus Christ who is our brother, but we owe reverence because our Father is in heaven and in heaven he has established his throne. And that means that he is as well king and he is as well judge and he is as well the one who rules and controls everything. 
So, once we recognized that when we recognize that he is in heaven, that he sees the earth from the heavens and that he rules from there, then we can pray, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be thy, your name. That means that we recognize that his name, his reputation, who he is, what he has done, and what he does, and what he will do is holy, is pure, and is perfect. That is the meaning of hallowed be your name. All what he is, all his acts, all what he has done in the past, the present, and the future is holy, is pure, and is perfect. But brothers and sisters, how common has the name of God become in our time, don't you think? His name is used with no distinction and no reverence. Anything can be called God. The universe, a flower, a feeling, a force, anything. I hear someone saying in one place at the end of, of I don't know if it was a service, but was, that person was saying, may the love bless you. I replace God and I will put whatever I like. May the faith bless you. Right? Better to say, may the force be with you, right? <laughs> it's like, no, no distinction. No distinction. But Jesus teaches us here that God is holy. A personal and that he is in heaven. Therefore, when we approach him, let us remember who he is, and let us not try to make him who we want him to be, because he is holy. But let's move to this second part of how to pray in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. So let's look at these two requests. What Jesus wants to show us here is first 
God is in heaven, but God is omnipresent as well. He is everywhere. So he is not limited to a space, right? But the Bible teaches that his location, some location that we can understand is that he is in heaven. But let me tell you a little story. A long time ago, God promised that he would send a king and that he would establish a kingdom here on earth. He's not in heaven. He promised that he will be establishing a kingdom here on earth. In this kingdom, justice, peace, and harmony would be forever. And I want to show you how this kingdom here on earth looks like. If you go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 2 to 7, Let's, let's read these Bible verses that explain us about the kingdom of God in earth. So, verse, one say, verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness and on them has light Sean, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil, for the yoke is of his burden and the staff for his shoulders, the road of his oppressors, you have broken us on the day of Midian. And then look at the next verse. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, look, this is the story. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And look at the signature. The seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So, continuing with the story, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus 
is the king. When Jesus, the Son of God, took the form of man and came to earth, he announced that the kingdom of heaven was what? Near. That the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And as the prophets and as the apostles prophesied, one day the place of God is going to be physically here on the earth. And King Jesus will reign forever. That is the picture that we see in the book of Revelation, in the last chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, where we see that heaven is coming to earth. That is the whole picture at the end of the book of Revelation. Is not earth going to heaven. Is the kingdom of God and his king coming to the earth. God will live in the midst of us in earth. So when we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying for an extraordinary event. Don't you think that this prayer should be the most frequent on our lips? Especially in these times that we are living on right now. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this part of the Lord's Prayer, it is as well the most difficult part to pray. You want to know why? Because we have been praying this for just too long. And when we say your kingdom come, we think, oh, two thousand years later. Your kingdom come, and we think of the land of Narnia, right? That is fiction. Or we think uh, of the Lord of the Ring, right? Something that is epic and beautiful and we want to be there, but it's fictional. That is why sometimes this is very difficult to pray. And also because we have a hard time understanding what a kingdom of absolute justice absolute peace and complete absence of pain and suffering will look like. It's, it's, it's something that we cannot understand. What, what is the meaning of that? 
We, we barely can imagine a kingdom where it's going to be justice for everybody. Peace everywhere. Joy in every corner of the world. It's something that we, we, we cannot even grasp. We cannot understand. And finally, it's very hard to pray this because if we are honest, we are more concerned about ourselves and our small kingdoms that we have right now. We are more concerned sometimes in our reputation. We are more concerned sometimes in our future, in our success, in the earthly things. We are more concerned about the economy around the world. We are more concerned about the injustice that we are seeing around the world. That we forget that everything we have, everything we are, everything we see here is temporal. So in this first part of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray not thinking on ourselves first, but thinking in God's will, in God's holiness, and in God's eternal kingdom. That one day, not fully yet, now is here, but one day we'll be here on earth. I want to close this morning praying once more with all of you the Lord's Prayer. So I invite you to close your eyes. And to pray this prayer as Jesus taught us, not as the hypocrites, not, not as, as the Gentiles, but as those who know God and those who love Him. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom. 
power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.